My name is Stuart Merrill, and I woke up this gay. Episode 14, My Parents Were the Mormon Barbie and Ken. Seriously, do you know who I am? I grew up in the oh-so-white, wealthy, wonder-bred world of Utopia, where only Barbie and Ken were allowed to be sexy. But get this, my parents were the Mormon Barbie and Ken. Score! I couldn't believe my luck. I was about eight or nine by the time I figured this out. My parents were the Mormon Barbie and Ken. It was like I was born the winner of the genetic lotto. How cool is that? And as if that wasn't enough of a head trip for my little nine-year-old gay brain, get this. We were chosen by God. Yeah, you heard me. We were chosen by God. God chose us out of the billions of people he had created in the past exactly 7,000 years. And we know it was exactly 7,000 years because that's what God told this friend of my great-great-grandpa when he, God, and psilocybin were having this conversation this one time. So anyway, back to the part where God chose my family, not just to be in his only one true church on earth, but we were one of the founding families and pretty much still ran the place. In all honesty, I could not believe my luck. I was blown away. And then I found out there's more. Not only was I born into this incredibly important Mormon family running God's only one true church on earth, but my grandpa and his kids and grandkids were even more important than all my other thousands of polygamous Mormon cousins because grandpa was the first of the first of the first of the first. Now, I had no idea what that meant, but it sounded really super important. So I went to find my mom and ask her because she's super smart and really pretty. And, oh my God, she has a closet full of Chanel. What do you think happened? Of course I did. And you know what? I know it's a sin to brag, but girlfriend, I can rock me some Chanel. Later, I found out that's where the phrase coming out of the closet comes from, because apparently I spent half my childhood in there trying on all my mother's clothes. Well, don't laugh at me. You would have too. Those clothes were fabulous. My mother had the best wardrobe in Utah. She looked like Ava Gardner with her curly black hair and her big, beautiful blue eyes, and she was super smart. My mom was so smart that she had her very own special language that only she and her family spoke, and nobody else can understand it. Wait a minute. I wonder if they're talking about me. I better learn it too. Anyway, so my mom explained to me that after Grandpa's older brother died in some war someplace, Grandpa became the first son of the first wife of the first son of our family patriarch, Apostle Mariner Wood Merrill's first of eight wives. Now I get it. That's why everywhere we go, people point at us and start to whisper. This is so cool. I'm loving this. We're a point-and-whisper family. 
Mom explained this was a good thing, that even if they were saying something bad, that didn't matter as long as they just kept talking about us. Well, my mom was right, because they were constantly talking about us, especially about her. It took me a really long time to figure out the reason all the women hated my mom so much was because she was prettier. And of course, she had the best clothes in Utah, and she was smarter than all their husbands. But there's one thing I just couldn't understand about these Mormon ladies. I mean, for a bunch of ladies that were required to wear dresses all the time, you would think they'd learn how to walk in heels. I mean, come on, ladies. I was born walking the line. Why can't you? And the men? Well, the men, they were terrified of my mom. She married into this super important Mormon family, and she was a super smart politician, and I guess she knew every dirty little secret in Utah, and there must have been a lot of them because people did whatever she told them to. She spoke a bunch of languages, and oh my god, have I told you about her wardrobe? This President Kennedy lady's got nothing on my mom. Well, when you come from this really super important Mormon family like I do, you are related to everybody. Well, at least everybody that matters. When we went to church, or to a parade, or a concert, or even when we were just watching the news on TV, or mom was reading the paper, she was constantly saying, oh look, there's your cousin Ken, or Jim, or Fred, or Jack, and there were just so many of these monosyllabic Mormon men with their monosyllabic Mormon names, I just don't know how I'm going to keep them all straight. <laughs> straight? That's funny. Anyway, she was like, look, there's the governor. He's married to your grandma's niece. Oh, don't you just love the prophet David O. McKay? He's a good friend of your grandpa's and one of his patients, too. But did you know he's a terrible driver? He's constantly getting into accidents, but the police are afraid to give him a ticket. I mean, how can you give a ticket to God's only one true voice on earth? Oh, or that one. Well, He's your Uncle Bruce McConkie, and you need to be very careful around him. Wow, holy shit, can you believe this? I mean, seriously, let me do a short review here. I'm the cutest kid on the block. Everybody adores me with my curly blonde hair and my big blue eyes that happen to match the sky. And my parents are the Mormon Barbie and Ken chosen by God to run his only one true church on earth. Well, seriously, I was born with a dream ticket right here in my hand. And we had money too. Daddy owned his own international art exporting business, and everybody adored him because he was the kindest, sweetest guy in the whole world. Damn, for those first few glorious years of my childhood, I was the luckiest kid on the face of the earth. And then that fragile Mormon reality just kind of started to vaporize. It was really weird. That's when I first learned that Mormons and reality have a really funny relationship. The two of them just don't get along that well with each other. Mormons pretend reality just isn't there. They kind of edit it out. Mormons have this dissociative ability. It's almost supernatural. Well, here, let me show you how it works. Why are there no homeless people in Utah? Because we just don't look down, dummy. Jeez, no wonder God chose us. You guys are stupid. Just look up at the beautiful blue sky that God made to match my eyes. See how easy that is?
For those of you who were not lucky enough to be born in God's only one true church on earth and are old enough to remember, it's kind of like those really, really rich Republicans during the Reagan years with their heads so firmly stuck in that dream cloud of Reagan's shining city on a hill fantasy that they just didn't notice they were constantly stepping over sick, hungry, homeless people begging for help. Anyway, back to my Voltaire moment and my utopian dream childhood where everything's perfect and I'm the center of the universe. So my mom and dad had this really big fight, and I guess it was a big deal because they sent me on a Boy Scout camping trip with my church. The scoutmaster was really mad at me, and I don't know why, but she and all the scouts beat me up and kept calling me a faggot. Then they wrapped me up in a poncho, tied the corners together so I couldn't get out and threw me in a river. Well, I was pissed. I don't know what a faggot was, but I told him, my mom is going to hear about this and you, sir, are going to be in big trouble. Well, you know what he said? He he said it didn't matter because the church was going to excommunicate my dad. Wait, wait, wait a minute here. What do you say? Well, well, I don't know what excommunicate means, but you can't do that to my dad. He's Ken of Barbie and Ken chosen by God, and we're the first of the first of the first of the first. Geez, these people are so stupid, and they're really mean. When I got home from the camping trip, my daddy had moved out, and mommy told me that he lost his business and we were going to lose our house. But here's the clincher. Now, This same Mormon God guy and my Mormon bishop are telling everybody that God made me wrong and I'm a faggot. What the hell were they talking about? And what the hell is a faggot? Dude, do you know who I am? I mean, less I heard, my parents were the motherfucking Mormon Barbie and Ken chosen by God. And now suddenly this same Mormon God guy is saying I'm a faggot. What the fuck are you talking about? And what the fuck is a faggot? And why won't anybody tell me? Dad lost his business and he was excommunicated, and then we were ostrich-sized from the church. I thought ostrich size was a big bird. I didn't know what was happening, and apparently I am a faggot, but I still have no idea what that is. It must be something really super bad, because now this Mormon God guy is commanding my scoutmaster and my big brother and anybody else who wants to to beat the shit out of me for it, but I still don't know what it is, and no one will tell me. The church rented us a small house while mom went back to school so she could better support us on the condition that my big brother Lance moved back in with us. Well, my big brother Lance was always really mean to me and he scared me a lot. But that day he was super mad at mom because she had let me spend the night at a sleepover with my best friend Dave and his little sister Julie. Lance started yelling at mom because he said she had to ask his permission for me to sleep over at Dave's house. I didn't understand. Lance wasn't my dad. He's my brother and he's really mean and I already have a dad and he's really nice. Then Lance started yelling at me for sleeping with Julie. What? That's stupid because the only thing I wanted to do with Julie was give her dolls a makeover. I was only 12 and I didn't have any sexual thoughts and I think if I had, they wouldn't have been about Julie. Besides, if the whole reason he was there was to prevent me from sucking dick, what the hell was I going to do with Julie? 
But I said, of course I slept with Julie, duh. That's what you do at sleepovers. You sleep with people. Jeez. Okay, maybe this wasn't the smartest answer, even if it was the truth, because Lance, he just went crazy and he started hitting me really hard and I was so scared and really confused. And then I figured that somebody must have told them that we toilet papered the bishop's house. Well, Mom tried to protect me, but he threw her against the wall so hard it broke one of her ribs and knocked the wind out of her. I remember my brother Chris picking her up and taking her to the bedroom to try to calm her down, but Lance just kept hitting me over and over again so hard that he broke two of my ribs. Of course, my mum kicked him out of the house, but you know what happened then? The Mormon bishop told my mum if she wanted the church to keep paying her bills, she had to let Lance keep beating me, and if she didn't, we were going to all be homeless. I felt so bad for my mom that night because she cried herself to sleep for the first time and then she cried herself to sleep every night for the rest of my childhood and I just can't stop remembering what that sounds like. Well, Lance kept beating me for five long years. A year is such a really long time when you're a terrified, insecure, lonely child with nowhere safe to hide and no one to protect me. I honestly thought of killing myself every day, but I promised myself if I could just survive, I would give myself a happy life and I would devote myself to making this world a better place for kids like me. The worst beating happened when I was 16. Lance had this huge fight with mom about his best friend Mark Moffat's mother. After the argument, I was told I had to drive Lance to the Moffats and drop him off. He was really angry, and I was so scared, but I did what I was told. On the way there, Lance asked me what I thought of Mrs. Moffat. I was terrified, and I knew I had to choose my words really carefully. So I said, I have no opinion of her at all. Why would I? She has no part in my life. I had chosen my words so carefully. But it didn't matter, because Lance only heard the angry voices in his head and he took it all out on me again, because God made me wrong, and because God made me a faggot, and because God made me his punching bag, and because God told him it was his spiritual duty to beat the queer out of me. Pull over, he screamed. I will never forget the exact spot on Highland Drive where Lance reached over, grabbed me by the hair on the back of my head, and yanked me over the gear shift so hard he broke another rib. He hit me in the face a couple of times, and then he started kidney punching my broken rib over and over again, and I was still straddling the gear shift. It hurt really bad, but the worst part wasn't the pain. I was literally suffocating. I kept saying, Lance, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and I think that's why he just kept hitting me. He just kept pummeling my broken rib over and over again. I was crying so hard that I could barely breathe, but I still had to drive him to the office when he finally finished hitting me. When we finally got there, he got out of the car and started walking away, and then he stopped a few feet in front of the car, turned around, and started making fun of me again, telling his friends what a stupid little faggot I was. I didn't care that he was making fun of me at that point. I was used to it. I just wanted to somehow make the beating stop, and I was scared and had to figure out a way to finally protect myself. So I took my foot off the brake 
And just when my foot hit the gas, one of Lance's friends, Rod Isles, jumped in front of the car. I've always wondered if Rod knew what I was about to do, and he also knew that I'd never hurt him, so he jumped in front of the car so I wouldn't kill Lance. So I hit the brake, steered around Rod and Lance, and just drove away while Lance was still making fun of me. You know what? Honestly, I'm not sorry I tried to kill Lance. By that time, I had spent the five longest years of my life in abject terror, and I was desperate to protect myself. And you know what else? I would have gotten away with it, too. It was impossible to hide the fact that I was a victim of long-term violent child abuse. When I got back home with yet another broken rib and my face black and blue from the worst beating of my childhood, Mum packed the two of us up, and we moved to Vancouver, Canada to live with her sister, my Aunt Kira. Early on, though, I had learned to turn off the pain, to transport myself to another place and time whenever Lance beat me. But the sound of my mom's tears will never leave me, nor will her dying words to me. I know what Lance did to you. Yes, it really happened, and don't you ever let them convince you it didn't. By this time, I had had it up to here with this Mormon God guy. So before I left Utah, I wanted to make it perfectly clear to the Mormon God guy that I was done with his bullshit. So you know what I did? While we were doing Baptism for the Dead, which is this whole other crazy Mormon thing that I just don't want to get into right now, I went to the bathroom of the Mormon God guy Salt Lake Temple, and I jacked off. Fuck you, Mormon God guy, and the mushroom cloud you rode in on. And you know what else? Yeah, I am a faggot. And I am so damn proud of that. But you know what I'm most proud of? I am proud that I survived you. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing whatever I can to stop you and any other harbingers of hate from hurting any more innocent gay or transgender children. Because do you know who I am? I am the queer son of that crazy foreign woman who married the Merrill boy. My name is Stuart Merrill, and I am very proud to say I woke up this gay. <laughs>